Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good. Uh, my name is Paul. I am privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation. Um, and this is the day the Lord has made. Um, and we do rejoice and we are glad in it. It's so good to see all of your smiling faces this morning. I pray that you've been met with the love of Jesus already. Uh, to those live streaming, thank you as well for, for joining us and choosing to spend an hour of your time with us today. Uh, I want to do something might make some of you a little uncomfortable, but I think Rose Hill Drive needs to hear a little bit of noise from, from this space. So I'm kind of prepping you for what I'm about to say, and you can respond in such a way that Rose Hill hears it. But we are in the sixth month of a new church plant. It didn't hit me, and I'll say more about this later, but until I went, I was in Northern Virginia at Grace Covenant Church, the church that, that sent us out. And, and, you know, of course, going back there is like a homecoming of sort. And every other conversation was, how's it going, man? I've been streaming. I've been listening. Hey, it's six months. It's six months. Man, that's a big deal. And I'm thinking, pause, Paul, and take a moment and thank God for what he is doing. And he's doing a ton. And over time, we'll share a bit of the details. And we try to each week of, of what God is doing in our community. Um, but this morning, turn with me to the book of Acts. We'll be looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We are in a series entitled Spirit-Filled. If you were here last week, were you blessed by Pastor Janelle's message? Anybody who was here? Yeah. <clears throat> Phenomenal woman of God, a mentor, auntie, uh, and, and uncle, Pastor Sean, who was here with her as well. Um, they are tremendous. And while you're looking up Acts chapter 1, I ought to mention, too, uh, it's a really unique time in the life of Grace Covenant Church, the church that sent us, in that in the last year and a half, they have sent out three pastors from their staff. They sent me and Taylor here. They're sending David Hermes, who was here on March 31st, out to Denver, and now Danelle Perkins uh, down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And it's an interesting uh, display of God's principle of generosity because one might think if you've ever led anything you don't want to let your people go especially the ones you like I think they like me right because you're thinking how is this going to affect us but God continues to provide for them and continues to raise up new leaders who at some point I'm sure will sprout their wings and go and lead as well so I'm just grateful to have spiritual family if you don't recognize readily the benefit of that know that it's a big deal that I can go up there and talk to basically my pastor and have him in a span of five or ten minutes run down my life in an accountability, supportive kind of way such that, that we can continue doing life well in marriage, life well in ministry. It's a, it's, it's a blessing, and I'm grateful. Um, and you're blessed, whether you know it or not, by that relationship and that spiritual family we have. Um, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. By now you got it, prayerfully. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Uh, we, we, we thank you for the opportunity to study the Word of God. We believe, according to 2 Timothy 3 and 16, that it is the inspired Word of God, useful for teaching, for correction, for rebuking, and ultimately for training up in righteousness. And so we don't handle it without care or sensitivity, but in fact, we pray according to your Word again, Psalm 119 and 18, that says to open up our eyes so that we may see all that you want us to see in it. Because unless you open our eyes, unless you open our ears and our heart, Lord, we can't really grasp just how it is to be applied to our lives. I pray too, Lord, as important as head knowledge is, that this morning it would drop about 18 or so inches 
from head knowledge down into our hearts such that Monday through Saturday, it can make a difference, a real difference that you intended to make by your Holy Spirit in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Reads this way, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was still alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, on one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Turn to your neighbor and just say, satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. That's the title of the message today. Uh, Satisfaction being the fulfillment of one's expectations and desires and so forth. And the pleasure, I should say, associated that's derived from said fulfillment of those expectations. And the Holy Spirit, to that end, is as advertised. We're in a series called Spirit Filled. So by extension, the goal, the prayer, is that we live in such a way that we receive and fill ourselves up with the Holy Spirit every single day. Luke, who's the writer of the book of Acts here, he also wrote the Gospel of Luke, is recalling and writing this letter to Theophilus, his friend, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and essentially saying, don't leave home without him. Better than American Express in that commercial. But don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem, he said in the fourth verse. Because the Holy Spirit is a necessity. And he doesn't say in verse 8 that you might have power or that you might have some success or that maybe You know, every now and then you might experience a little bit of this. He says, no, you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Turn to the other neighbor and say, a spirit-filled life. Say that again. A spirit-filled life is a satisfied life. Satisfaction guarantee, not an unpopular or not an uh, uh, unusual phrase, I'm sure, for you to hear. Over the last year or so, uh, Taylor, my bride of 13 years and I, we, we were looking for a mosquito company to come and take care of the mosquitoes in our place, outside of our, in our little neighborhood. And so we got on a little app called Nextdoor, and they all use that little app. We got on there and we were like, hey, we need recommendations. Our little girl was getting torn up. She got about 12 or 13 mosquito bites by being outside for 10 minutes. Somebody help us. And we're thinking, great, our neighbors will tell us who to go to right away. And some do. They list who they think we should go to. And then, unbeknownst to me, Mark, I started a fight. I didn't know how contentious this was. I'm just thinking I'm helping my little girl out. Well, then 
before I can get away with a thank you, there's this other side saying, don't spray because you're going to do X, Y, and Z to these particular insects, and they help us with X, Y, or Z. And then the other side said, tell that to my daughter who's dealing with. And so at this point, we're like pulling out the popcorn and just sitting there watching this little fight <laughs> go on that we started. At some point, I duck in there and I say, thank you, duck back out <laughs> of the conversation. And we get, sorry if anybody's offended, a mosquito company to come on out to our place to help us out with what's going on. And they said to us, you guessed it, satisfaction guaranteed, money back, if you will, if something doesn't work right. So over the last year, it's kind of been working well until about a month or two ago when uh, our kids were outside not long at all, and one came in with some stuff, and I said, listen, we didn't even go anywhere. That's in front of the house. So I'm already thinking, satisfaction guaranteed, whatever. I'm getting on the phone with them. What about that now? Tell me about how guaranteed your service is. And they say, we are so sorry, but you know, you're kind of near the end of the cycle, and that's probably why. I said, no, nah, I don't want to hear that. What are you going to do about it? They come out, they service again, and things kind of clear up. But born in me in that moment, and if I'm honest, even before we contracted them, was a skepticism of what was considered to be 100% guaranteed. And I think it's true of all of us that we are conditioned in many ways to deal with promises, whether from a loved one, certainly a company or business, marketing, advertising is, is very good these days. We are conditioned to say, eh, there's a loophole somewhere. I don't quite believe. There must be something that's not quite right about this guarantee. And yet in this account, Jesus is saying just that about the Holy Spirit. Again, not that you might have power or that you might be my witnesses, that you might be able to make me recognizable with the Holy Spirit. He says, no, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have power. You will be my witnesses. Satisfaction is guaranteed. A spirit-filled life is a satisfied life. A little backdrop on the book of Acts. A couple of weeks ago, we started in Acts chapter 2, but it is written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke a couple of books before. And in the book of Luke, he talks primarily about the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now in this book of Acts, he's continuing that, but talking more about how the Holy Spirit is moving after our risen Christ had done just that, had ascended on to heaven and how people, the apostles and others, were empowered to carry the message of Christ to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so in this text, Jesus has basically given them some instructions before he heads out. Anybody ever get a lecture of sort like that where you kind of get a sense, this is an important one, I need to tune in. He's kind of telling them, I'm about to roll out. You need to have the Holy Spirit. And so one question that I thought we'd begin with that is somewhat fundamental to this conversation about being spirit-filled is who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? If you were here last week, Pastor Donnell kind of touched on this in describing him as a part of the triune God. If you weren't here last week, he's a part of what's described as the triune God. The Bible refers to the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So he isn't some impersonal force, some boogeyman that only comes out when you're doing something wrong and says, gotcha, and scares you. He's very much, in fact, a person that wants a relationship with each of us. And yes, is a part of the Trinity, though that word is not anywhere in the Bible. The idea is certainly captured in that he's part of this threefold uh, uh, divine unity that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And let me insert parenthetically for anyone in here who wants to go out and be the word police. Don't be that. 
that's just kind of extra information about Trinity. It very much captures the relationship between God the Father and, and the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the Holy Spirit was there from the beginning. Go to Genesis chapter 1 where it is said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Who's us? Who's our? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the purple book that Erica so wonderfully presented to you all today in chapter 4, if you want to pick one up, we're not going through that today. It details a little bit further just who the Holy Spirit is and of what benefit he has to us. For example, it goes to John chapter 4, 16, which says that he is our advocate. If you look that word up in the original Greek of the New Testament, it means paraclete. He's our comforter. He comes alongside us. He walks with us. He's there to, John 14 and 26 says, teach us and to remind us of everything that he has said. That's who the Holy Spirit is for us, not some divine boogeyman or divine cold that we catch. (laughs) But indeed, when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit to come and in power us. And to preempt some of my later comments, I'll say now Ephesians 5 and 18 says that it's not just the moment of saying yes to Jesus. We get a measure of the Holy Spirit at that point, but it is in fact being filled with the Spirit on an ongoing basis such that he can remind you of what he said. I used to say to my teenagers when I worked at a high school, particularly the ones in FCA where I could have more open conversations around faith, bring Jesus into your studies. Ask him to remind you about what's going to be on the test, but don't pray if you didn't study. (laughs) Can't ask him to, Holy Spirit, remind me. No, there's nothing to remind you of. (laughs) And I thought literally in my own life, even as we as adults laugh, right, like we can say the same things when we ain't cracked a book in a month, which is not condemnation. That's just real. And I'm sitting there with like, how long is it? I'm asking you to remind me, but I don't have to ask you to remind me of, of say, uh, pick one. It was all a dream. We used to read. Ain't no prayer needed to remind you of that. <laughs> Again, not condemnation for the hip-hop heads in the room. We get Biggie Smalls had some things to say that just stick with you. I'll pick another genre for those who didn't catch that reference. But <laughs> the point is we pray. And we ask the Holy Spirit, remind me, but we got to put something a little in there for him to come back and remind us of it. I said I was in Northern Virginia this, this weekend. We had a, a, a men's conference at Grace Covenant Church, our sending church. And so I go up there and uh, was there for a little bit because it's the weekend and Saturday. That's a lot for my bride of 13 years. Thank you for letting me go and spend some time with the men up there and just get refreshed and sharpened by them. Uh, but we're in a moment where after one of the pastors, Pastor June, spoke a message he uh, had an altar call, and so he asked all of the associate pastors on staff there to come up to the front, along with all of the prayer team. Come up to the front, and if anybody needs prayer, come on up. So I'm in the back, right, because I'm like, I'm going to be on stage tomorrow. I'm going to enjoy this moment of just sitting <laughs> and receiving, and I enjoy this too, but you hear what I'm saying. So I'm in the back relaxing, and then all of a sudden lines start to form, right, and there aren't enough people up there. I'm talking there's already 15 dudes up on the front about, right, Nathan? About 10 to 15, he was there. And, and, and then there are lines for him. And so I'm in the back thinking, okay, I know how we do here. We get in. Even if we're not assigned, we jump up and help. And I'm an extension, even though not there on staff still of this pastoral team. So I get up. Pastor Brett, the senior pastor, he gets up. Pastor Chris Johnson from Harrisonburg, who's going to be preaching with us in August, he gets up. And we're all up there just helping to pray for the men that were coming to the altar. 
And there are a couple of usual questions that I ask in those moments. One is, uh, what can I pray for you for? Um, and the second is, is there a scripture that you're, that you're pondering, that you're praying into already, that you are anchoring yourself to, that I can join my faith with you on? If there is, I stand right there with them. If there's not, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, as they share with me, remind me of what your word has to say about whatever situation they're bringing to me. Because it's not meant to be a counseling session. Just so you know, when you come up for prayer, that's not it. So it's not, it's not that kind of back and forth, just enough to get some acquaintance with the person that I'm talking to and praying for. But no, it's about bombarding heaven and standing in faith with them for what they're believing for. So I'm there saying, Holy Spirit, help me, remind me of what your word has to say such that even if their situation doesn't change, they can walk away from their space encouraged and different themselves within said situation because of what your word has to say about being with them in that situation. Holy Spirit, remind me of your word. And we get the privilege to do the same. Yes, on a Sunday morning, clearly I'm asking the Holy Spirit the whole time, remind me of what your word has to say about being spirit-filled. Remind me of what's happening in Charlottesville. Remind me of what came across the news this week and how it connects to the gospel so that it can be relevant for you when you walk out the door. But the good news is that there's no corner on the market. That same Holy Spirit that Mark, we were up on uh, uh, on the stage yesterday asking to be reminded of scriptures is the same one that you too can say, Lord, remind me of what your word says when they leave the toilet seat up. Remind me of what your word says when they squeeze from the top and not the bottom. Remind me of what your word says when that coworker takes all the coffee. Holy Spirit, what does your word have to say about a soft word turning away wrath? I say that humorously, but imagine how God might show up in those spaces in ways you might not expect him to when we ask the Holy Spirit into those spaces. Teach us, remind us of what your word has to say. And I love, as I just referenced, to bring it to where we are in Charlottesville. Um, the text Luke is saying to Theophilus in this letter, Jesus is having some things to say, and they're important because he's about to ascend. In fact, in verse 9 that I didn't read, and he does, in fact, get taken up. So he's telling them some things they're going to need to know. Like, you've had me with you, but I'm rolling out. You are going to need some power to do what Apostle Paul in Acts 16 had to do when he told that demon out of the fortune teller lady to, to go. You're going to need some power when you're locked in a jail cell to have a praise on your lips in the midnight hour. You're going to have a need for some Holy Spirit power to see some jail cells open up. And it made me think of those lectures or talking to's in my own life. I didn't get too many because, I, you know, I was good growing up. But it did make me think of the few that I got. And my mom and dad didn't really tell a whole lot. They were more just kind of the do. And we watched and we saw what we wanted to emulate, what we didn't, right? But mostly what we wanted to because they've been amazing parents. Uh, and I recall a couple of moments that I just want to share. One with my mother, who if you know her and hopefully she'll visit, is the most quiet spoken. She just doesn't say a whole lot, but there's a lot of wisdom in her. And I remember growing up, we'd be in a grocery store or somewhere, and mom would just start telling all the business like all the business, where we lived, who was on the honor roll, what activities we were doing. And she's running down. The, and I'd be like, who is this lady? Like, they don't do that. They don't brag. They're not arrogant. They don't. And we would get in the car afterward. And mom would know how I was thinking. So she would say, Paul, I know that was different. 
And I was in elementary school around one of these first conversations. She said, but sometimes you got to make it clear. That was the end of that first conversation. But I knew that was my first lecture on race. Sometimes you got to make it clear. Okay, time goes on. I ask more questions. What do you mean make it clear? Because I hear it again and see it happen again. This quiet spoken, really soft lady would just, and this is what this one is doing. And this is what that one is doing. And we live over here. Mom, why are you doing that? Because sometimes you got to make it clear. Mom, what do you mean you got to make it clear? Because sometimes, Paul, I'm the only one they're going to hear from a narrative of people who look like us that is counter to the narrative that's been constructed for them. So, okay, years went on. Mom, you're doing it. Why are you telling them where we live? Like, can we get a little privacy? I'm glad you asked, Paul, because sometimes we got to make it clear that when we move to Long Island, the real estate agent showed us one street to live on. I said, oh, that street where all my black friends live. <laughs> really? Yes. But we were in the military in such and such a year. We knew the other neighbors and which ones we wanted to consider. So we told them, take us there. So sometimes, Paul, that might be the only time that someone hears some of that history. So I take an opportunity to say, no, we live over here. In fact, we were encouraged, like many of us were, to live there. She said, sometimes, Paul, you have to make it clear. I thought about that in context of this past week that I'm also going to pull you into, which was a teaching seminar on race at UVA. I won't go into the depths except to say we visited Montpelier. We talked about the South Lawn Project. We visited Vinegar Hill. We went to the Jefferson School. I'm mentioning those for two reasons. One, to reflect, but also to say if you haven't been to those places, it might be helpful to do so. And I said, God, what does it mean for a church whose vision is to see people reconcile to God and each other? To make it clear. Well, part of it is to say, we need Jesus. We need your Holy Spirit because the layers of, of, of division and the layers of racism and the layers that predate us and generations prior to us are so thick that it is beyond us. The vision of seeing people reconcile to God and each other requires the Holy Spirit's power to break it requires his power to demolish, in Ephesians it says, the walls of hostility. Yes, a good strategy is good, and I'm all for it. I'll be there in the think tanks. I think they're great. But you know what, Paul? We gave you the vision because the Holy Spirit is going to accomplish it. And remember that when you're spirit-filled, that's when you'll be satisfied. It may not mean the situation will change overnight, but it will mean like Philippians 4 and 13 when the apostle, said, apostle Paul says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he's saying is I'm content in all things because I have you. So I can have peace in the midst of joy, in the midst of and hope because of the power that resides in me to overcome what it is that I'm looking at. I'm saying that for a lot of reasons. We look around the room and I don't do this often, but I'll do it today in light of what I believe the Lord gave me to share today. And you see a, a, a representation of what I rarely see in any pocket that I occupy in the city. I'm at the Boys and Girls Club volunteering. It's one demographic. I'm at UVA teaching. That's another demographic. I'm running my group at CHS. That's another. So if you look around, there's something happening here. And I've said from the beginning, and now we are saying as a team, Lord, this isn't meant to be window dressing. And if it's not meant to be that, how do we make it clear? What does it look like for the gospel to meet us where we are in what this city 
has represented for years on end. How might the testimony of your goodness and the power of your Holy Spirit be made evident today? That'll preach. That'll preach better than any sermon I'll come up with from here. When, when our lives beyond that of, oh, it sounds good, and yes, let's go to this exercise and let's do this activity. But lives lived in community where people say, oh, and that's real. <laughs> like there's something happening there where there's insight about each other's experiences and the history of our community. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And you might be tempted in that space to say, gosh, that's so crazy, except that there's good news, and that's what I'm here to preach every week and what we are all assigned to do every day of the week. And the good news is the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm referencing that can demolish whatever walls of hostility. That power lives in you, and it's the same power, the same power that allows for God to take on human flesh, live a life we should have lived, tempted by sin but didn't do it. The same power that allowed him to be ridiculed have a little sign posted over his head as they mocked him, king of the Jews, put a robe on him, had a crown of thorns on his head. The same power that allowed him to endure that and say, nevertheless, your will, Lord, not mine. The same power that allowed him to stay on that cross and say, you know, <laughs> these jokers, Father, forgive them. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. That same power, the same power that allowed him then three days later to rise with all power in his hands. Imagine that power Jesus is now saying, it resides in you. But he says in verse 4, don't leave Jerusalem. Paul, this is a great vision, victory. This is a wonderful vision. But don't you dare leave Jerusalem. Don't walk out your door thinking it's going to happen with a good plan. It's going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to move the needle in our generation by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for him. And then you will have power. Then you will be my witnesses. Not maybe, 100% satisfaction guarantee. And I like to flip that a little bit, just if I can get in our seats a little bit even more. Don't just not leave home without them. Bring them home with you. Because <laughs> some of us know, I don't know who that saint is outside these doors, but at home, that joker is a devil. So take that same Holy Spirit and let's experience the reconciliation that I speak of and we speak of with regard to God first and know that it's vertical before anything else happens horizontally. Experience it at home first. And I cannot tell you something else that, that if it's a surprise, surprise, but I imagine it's not. He's going to come there first. You, you want to try to do this? Watch how I jack up your house and we'll see what kind of testimony you have after that. Watch how I jack up your immediate sphere of influence at work and then try to invite him to church. Watch how I jack up that immediate circle right there. So, yes, don't leave Jerusalem without him. But, hey, in Jerusalem, too, probably even more importantly there. Have the Spirit of God residing on the inside. I said earlier, Ephesians 5 and 18 says, be being filled. It doesn't say it that way, but it means be being filled, which means it's a daily occurrence. Every day I'm saying, Lord, what is it that you have for me in your word? What is it that you want for me to get? Because I need to be filled, filled daily in order to encounter, in order to live with victory and the joy that you intended for me to live with. Someone said earlier, I think it was Erica said, we are a people of prayer. I don't even know where the notes are. We're just going to wrap up here. Uh, they're good. They're helpful. And then, you know. But she says, we are a people of prayer. It matters to us, right? It's important. And so I want to conclude our time together 
Yes, offering a moment up front for people to come and pray, but I want a moment for all of us to pray, lest we fall prey to, P-R-E-Y, thinking that the prayer moments are just for those that kind of in the valley. Though certainly God meets us in the valley and he wants to be there with us. But it is for every single one of us every day to have a moment of communion with the Lord, which really is conversation, telling him what's going on. We preached from Psalm 13, I don't know, a month or so ago where David was straight up telling God the truth. Lord, why am I so jacked up? Why? That's prayer too. It's a conversation with the Lord. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So I want to invite the prayer team up front, but I want to do something perhaps a little different than we've done before to enable everyone to participate in this moment. We'll have one of three different options. One might be that you can come forward to pray with the prayer team that's on their way to the front. Because uh, maybe you're thinking, I don't know how to pray, but all right, I'll go up and maybe they can pray with them for me. The other option is stay where you are. You want to pray by yourself, close your eyes and be quiet, do that. And then the other option will be in your small group. Maybe there's a couple of folks around you. Maybe it's a spouse or a boyfriend or whomever that you say, hey, can we just hold hands and pray? Why? Because the Holy Spirit, again, is available and wants to invade. That sounds a bit, he wants to inhabit. The Old Testament, there was more like visitation. Right? The Spirit hovered above the waters, etc. In the New Testament, it's habitation. Jesus has ascended. He wants to live. And so prayer is an opportunity to say, Lord, I'm open for where in me your power wants to reside that maybe even I thought was dead to what could be resided in. Prayer is an opportunity to say, Lord, search my heart, examine me. Where in those spaces might you find me? So I'll give about five seconds for you to find your place, wherever that is. It could be sitting where you are, or it could be coming forward to pray with our prayer team, or like I mentioned, it can be with a few others beside you. Ready? One, two, three. Everybody, gonna stay. One, two, three, four, five. And we're gonna pray uh, according to a a template that I like that might be one that you adopt at home, maybe not, but it gives us all a way to corporately enter the space with some decency and order as the Bible talks about. Um, we, we preach from the book of Acts, and the acronym is actually Acts, A-C-T-S. We begin with adoration. We go to confession, thanksgiving, and lastly, supplication, which is where we get to present our request to God which if you're taking notes, Philippians 4 speaks to even how we present supplication. We do that with thanksgiving without anxiety. So that's how we're going to pray. We'll give you a moment to pray according to each point. I'll close out the point after about two minutes to give you that heads up with a general prayer such that we know we're transitioning then into that next portion. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So we'll begin with adoration two minutes for that. Maybe a minute because we're about Go ahead. In your small groups, individually, at the altar, just adore God for a moment and worship Him.
can adore him all day long, but I'll give 30 seconds to this moment. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. We lift you up higher than everything that might tempt us to, to sin, that might tempt us to fall. We, we exalt you. We magnify you bigger than any problem in our lives. We adore you. We worship you. We worship you with our lips. We worship you with our hands. We worship you with our bodies. We worship you with our lives. We present our lives, as Romans 12 says, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you, which is still just our reasonable service. Please accept our adoration today, God. We begin there because you're worthy. If you did nothing else for us, you've done enough in giving your son for us. We love you. In Jesus' name. Next is see in confession to our Lord. It's only right that we come before him knowing what Romans says throughout Romans. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short, fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We come now to you, Lord, confessing those things. No need to air all your dirty laundry with your partner. But we just corporately confess those things that we know don't align with your word and ask according to your word what 1 John 1 and 9 says, that if we confess, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take about 30 seconds to do that, and then we'll transition to thanksgiving. Lord, we, we confess afresh <laughs> the ways we know we've fallen short of your glory and even the blind spots that we don't even realize it. Lord, we lift those up too because you know. And we're thankful to you, God, getting ahead of myself a little, but we're thankful even in this confession that your word says in Romans 8 and 1 that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so even as we confess, we know according to the scripture we just referenced, 1 John 1 and 9, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and give us a fresh start today. So we joyfully confess and present to you those thoughts and deeds because we want to be better. We want to be more faithful we want to be more obedient. Clean us in Jesus' name. 30 seconds for thanksgiving, which I know can go all day too. But let's just thank God in those groups individually for what he has done. And I'll close in about 30 seconds. Yes, I know the window's getting shorter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll keep praying. I'll pray. Lord, thank you for loving us better than we could ever love ourselves. 
God, we receive the word you gave to Jeremiah when you said, I knew you before you were in your mama's womb. Purpose, destiny, destiny in your heart. Lord, we receive that and say thank you. Thank you for thinking of us. Thank you for our, uh, your thoughts of us being greater than the sands on the seashore. Thank you for not being too busy for us. Thank you for not putting earplugs in when we cry out to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for an opportunity today above ground to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We can't say it enough, Lord, and we want to make room for more thank you. So we thank you today for all of the provision, those tangible and those people may not even see the peace in the midst of the chaos some of us may be experiencing right now. The smiles we wear that can be authentic, not in denial of what's going on, but because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you that we have uh, an assurance of whom we can be with for all eternity. And thank you that we don't have to rely on us in this life. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you and not our own understanding as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 teaches us. In Jesus' name, amen. And the last piece, supplication. I'm going to give a little more direction to that because we just talked about the Holy Spirit. And if I may, your eyes can be closed if you still like an effort from the pulpit is always also to encourage and kind of give a pole to teach how to fish as well. And so I'd encourage you, what I didn't talk about a whole lot was what that word power kind of represents. I, I talked about the Greek earlier, and I know it's not by the Greek of God that we're saved. It's by the grace of God. But the Greek sometimes help us to unpack the words um, a little bit. And that power, the Greek word is dunamis or dynamis, miraculous, mighty power. A power greater than the power walk you took this morning or the power lunch you have or that nasty power aid that you're drinking. It's not that. It's the power you bring into the room when, like my mother 20 years ago, is laying on the hospital bed with a brain aneurysm after having been given extra strength excision for two weeks. It's the power you want in the room then. The power you want when your kid is sick and the doctors can't figure it out. The power you want when your marriage looks great on the outside, but you know it's deteriorating from the inside out. That's the power. Dunamis. Dunamis. John 21, briefly, one of my favorite examples of why it's important to study in that way. You can buy a strong concordance. You can go online and find some tools. But in John 21, if you remember, Jesus was telling Peter or asking him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, I love you. He said, well, then feed my lambs. He asked him again, do you love me, Peter? Yeah, I love you. Okay, take care of my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? A third time. Yes, I love you. Okay, then go feed my sheep. But a deeper study of that word loved makes the whole passage come alive because Jesus in that first love is saying, agapeo, do you agapeo me? Do you unconditionally love me, Peter? Are you willing to forsake all else? And Peter responds with phileo love, brotherly. Yeah, bro, I got you. Jesus said again, do you love me? Agapeo, do you love me? Yeah, bro, I got you. Finally, Jesus met him where he was. If you study and look at the word love and that third time he asked, it's phileo. He kind of just came to Peter and said, okay, Peter, you love me? power, unlike any other power you might find in whatever circles you run, where power is deemed to be some kind of power, and I get it, decision makers, policy makers, there's power in the room, I got it, but nothing like the power of the cross. So as we enter this part of supplication and presenting our request to God with thanksgiving, ask the power of his Holy Spirit. You can mention it to the people you're talking with. Or you can just say it to God silently. The power that you know you need the Holy Spirit to come into your 
life, the areas of your lives where you know that power needs to be. Pray in that way. And then we'll close out in about 30 seconds. Thirty more seconds. Lord, we pray according to your word, Philippians four, um, verses around verses six to eight. Uh, we present our request to you with thanksgiving. We are anxious for nothing. We present our request to you knowing that the peace of the Lord will guard our hearts and our minds. Why? Because you hear us. Jeremiah 33, 3 says we can call on you and you will answer. You say elsewhere in your word, 1 Corinthians 14 or so, it says, desire the gifts of the Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And so today we receive you into those spaces that we know need your power. Because our intellectual power ain't cutting it. Our financial power is not cutting it. Our social networking power, it doesn't do it. Information alone isn't doing it, God. Come into those places. Transform them in our individual lives, in our families, and yes, in our community, such that you get the glory. Help us to be clear about the spaces where we need your power and help us to allow you in to do the work that only you can do with our hands and feet, not denying the reality of those situations, God. Let us never be accused of saying there is no mountain, there is no mountain, there is no mountain. There are mountains, Lord, and we acknowledge them. And we know you're greater. Help us be spirit-filled today. In Jesus' name, with eyes closed, heads bowed, I'd be remiss if not today to say and invite those who for the first time want to say, Jesus, I accept you today. If that's you and you want for the first time to say, you know what, Lord, I want to live with that kind of power every day. I get that life isn't going to be perfect when I do accept you, but man, it's not storm free, but could be storm proof. And if that is you with heads uh, bowed, eyes closed, you don't have to come up front. I'll just ask you to raise your hand so that I can see and pray with and for you. And we'll have a gift for you at the end of service. I see that hand. Once that hand is up, you can put it down. Great. I see that hand. Once that hand is up, you can put it down. Those who raise your hand, just pray this prayer with me. Lord, thank you for loving me better than I could ever love myself. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. 
in my place. I offended you and you pursued me. Thank you. Today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. From the dead. I commit today to turn away from everything the Bible says isn't pleasing to you and to follow you with all of my heart. Today I choose the power of the Holy Spirit to overwhelm me for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Some of y'all got that, but the Bible says, and it says a lot clearly. There's a lot of scriptures. One that says the angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner's repentance is made known. And I hate to leave them alone. So can we try that again and rejoice with the angels in heaven for the ones who made that decision? I'm not going to change what I say at the beginning when I say thank you for spending an hour of your time with us. I'm just going to be better about not letting you out at 1143. But thank you for spending an hour and 13 minutes of your time with us. And we're going to start that class at 1155. And if you gave your life to Jesus today, we have a gift for you right outside these doors at the connection table. Find somebody with hospitality with one of the lanyards on and they will get that gift uh, to you. And really the gift is basically helping you with some next steps. Uh, and we do that in community. So God bless you. We love you. Worship team will close us out. So join us in worship. And I will say 1145. We will not be starting that class, um, but we'll do that. Let's just say 12. So if you're taking the class up in the cafeteria, we'll get going at 12 o'clock. All right. If you didn't register, it doesn't matter. Just come. Love y'all.